So cantaloupe stewardship, it's the last week that we're going to talk about stewardship. And if you were here last week, um, you saw the, the, the perfect date that Raina and I had. Um, and it's, it's went viral, so you should look that up online. Because it's, I mean, I got people from Memphis calling me going, what were you guys doing? And was that real champagne? <laughs> Half of you weren't here because you only come every once in a while. And so if you weren't here, you can find that. But cantaloupe stewardship. And so here's the idea. What's inside a cantaloupe? I got you. Everyone who said seeds wasn't here last week. We've already been through this. Cantaloupe stewardship. What is inside of a cantaloupe? And what grows a cantaloupe? So inside this cantaloupe, I've got a ton of seeds. A bunch of thousands of seeds, actually. Tons, yeah. I appreciate that. I really do. And so if I really love cantaloupe, and I, I want to have cantaloupe down the road, and Publix runs out of cantaloupe, and there's no grocery store around, I have to take some of these seeds and sow into the ground, so when I want a cantaloupe, I get to have another cantaloupe. Make sense? And, and we've been talking about stewardship. Where am I sowing my seeds? We talked about gifts and talents. We talked about how... where. How am I sowing seeds into the relationships that God's trusted me with? How am I sowing seeds into my relationship with God? Then we talked about three things that were very interesting to all of us because we all deal with them. How am I using my time? How am I sowing seeds into my time? How am I using my money? Right? How am I sowing seeds? Am I sowing seeds into the right place? Am I trusting God with my money? And that's when Anthony, on the 10th cantaloupe, he dropped them and squished them and somebody had to go back to the grocery store and get some more cantaloupe that day. Not your fault, because we're not created to hold all of it. And then and then we talked about are we being good stewards of our eternity? We're all going to spend eternity somewhere. Are, are we being good stewards of that? Are we sowing seeds into making sure that we're at peace with God? And then last week we talked about are we being good stewards of God's love? And I'm, I'm in 1 Corinthians 13 and I'm reading this stuff and and I'm in my office, and I'm, I'm trying to write a message. And then so I picked up the phone, and I called my wife. I said, Raina, there's too much here. I can't. And she's like, well, talk about love next week. I said, you really think people want to hear about God's love two weeks in a row? She's like, duh. <laughs> yeah. And so here's the two scriptures that we base this, this series off of, Romans 14, 12. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. If you play this scripture out in your mind, it will wreck your world. It'll totally change how you use what God's entrusted to you. It'll totally change how you live. Because remember, we, we, we said God's gift to us is our life. What we do with our life is our gift to God. So God gives us life, and then we are creatures of free choice. What we do with our life is our gift back to God. And one day we're going to stand before God and give an account of what we actually did with our life. And then you go over to this next verse in 2 Corinthians 9, 6. Remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. And for years we've heard that talked about just finance. And yes, that, it has to do with our money. It has, it, but it goes way beyond that. If I sow time 
into my family, I'm going to reap a healthy family. If I sow good seed into good soil, I'm going to get back a harvest. Does that make sense? So if I sow God's love working through me into people around me, I'm going to, the reciprocation of that is the fact that I'm going to uh, impact someone's life. And so let's look at First Corinthians. Let's define, let's define stewardship for those of you who haven't been here in a bit. The position and duties of a steward, a person who acts as the surrogate of another or others, especially by managing property, financial affairs, and estates, etc. I love this one. The responsible overseeing and protection of something considered worth caring for and preserving. The re responsible overseeing and protection of something considered worth caring for and preserving. A stewardship, right? That's stewardship. And I would submit to you today that God, we're stewards of God's love. We are stewards. And, and remember when we started this stewardship thing and we talked about God's love, just because I share God's love with someone who may be living counter to this Bible doesn't mean I approve of the lifestyle that they're in. It just simply means that I'm being Christ-like. We're not going to argue this Bible. This, this, this book is perfect. From front to back, side to side, up and down. That could be a song, couldn't it? Front to back, side to side. No, just kidding. This, this book, don't laugh at me, Mike. This, I saw you. This book is perfect. It's absolutely perfect. So we're not, we're not, but just because you love someone, just because you let God, you be a conduit of God's love flowing through you, doesn't mean you condone how someone's living. It just means you're being Christ-like. We're called to love the world. We're called to be conduits of God's love. God is love. Right? So, so let's look at 1 Corinthians 13, 1 through 7. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. This is where we're going to land today. If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have a faith that can move mountains but do not have love, I have nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast but do not have love, I gain nothing. Verse 4. Love is patient. Love is kind does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angry, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. And here's where we're going to land today. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, and thank you for every precious soul that's in this building today. We ask that you would move me out of the way and that you would get in the way and you would speak your word to our hearts today. In Jesus' name, amen. Number one, here we go. Love protects, 1 Corinthians 13, 7. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Psalms 32, 7 says this. I hope you're taking notes today. We've got a lot of scriptures going to be just thrown at you. It's kind of like, um, I remember the first time I used to have one of those Nerf guns, and I remember the day that they came out with an automatic Nerf gun, and I had got one before my best friend did, and he was going, doo, doo, and I was going, doo, 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 and it was awesome. <laughs> and that's the Word of God. The Word of God is awesome. And if you, if you can't pay attention long enough to take notes, you can get online, 
and all the notes are online with, with the sermon. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. You are my hiding place. A couple weeks ago, we talked about hiding in the cleft of his rock and how no matter how big and bad we are, no matter how, how long we've lived, all of us have those days where we need to hide out with God. The problem is all of us have those days. That's a given. But a lot of us don't give in to the fact that we actually need to do that. We've got to hide ourselves. Hide, you, you are my hiding place. And you may be here today, and, and maybe you, you have a, a scared concept of God. God wants to hide out with you. God wants to hang out with you. When things get so wrong and so bad and going south so quick, and you, you can't believe what's going on in your life, and you're stressed out to the max, and you're tired, and you're sick, and you're sick and tired, and you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, and you're trying to work this angle, and you're trying to do this, and you're trying to do that, God's saying, hey, hey, Jason, come here. Let's hide out. I'm super ADD, so I can't keep going until somebody turns that off. Nobody, nobody wants to move and grab their phone right now because they're going to be. Yeah. Well, put it on mute. <laughs> God bless. <laughs> Last week it was Coldplay. Would you all remember that? Somebody's phone rang and was like, you are sky full of stars. <laughs> what in the world was I just talking about? I just totally lost it. I know. It was like, so, so the idea is to turn your phone off, and the idea is to hide. God's our hiding place. God, you don't have a perception of God that's always saying, hey, God wants to protect you. Go hide with him. Go hang out with him. Hide yourself in that place. And, and there's, there's so much more that we could talk about there, but I'm going to switch gears right here. Go to 2 Timothy. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely through his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. I love this verse because it speaks to life is tough. I'm headed somewhere else. And he's going to protect me when he sees fit. And when, when my days on life are, uh, on earth are over, to, he's going to transport me to his heavenly kingdom. And, and as Christ followers, isn't that good news? People have, yeah, I mean, because we all go through stuff, and some people in this room have been through way more than I've been through. But on, on rough days, really hard, hard days, it's so awesome to know that I'm, he's going to protect me as he see, sees fit. His ways are not my, our ways. We don't understand everything. He's in control. He is God. But one day, He's going to move that protection from now into his heavenly kingdom, and I am going to dwell with him forever. Amen. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good verse. All right, so now let's, let's talk about this protection. God is love. Love protects, right? God is love. Love is patient. God is love. Love is kind. God is love. Love protects. And so look at this next verse with me. Proverbs 4.23, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. 
How many of you have kids? How many of you have grandkids? Way more older people in the early service. That's awesome. They can't sleep. <laughs> I'm one of those. <laughs> it's like, is it time to go to church yet? And, and you know what? I, I, I'm going to, I'll probably make some of you upset right now, but but if you have kids, especially for some of you younger parents in this room right now, or, or grandparents who have an opportunity to speak into life of kids who have parents, and grandparents, you can't say too much. You've got to choose your point, right? Because parents get ticked off at grandparents, right? Because you just know everything, and they know nothing. And it's probably 80% true, but you can't tell them that. When's the last time? Above all else, guard your heart. We are charged as parents of protecting the hearts of our children. God is love. Love protects. Do you love your kids? When's the last time you cut a movie off? I know this is old-fashioned. This is old-fashioned, and it's going to upset. When's the last time you, you were sitting down with your kids and watching a movie, and language started flying or something started happening, and you turned the TV off and said, you know what, we're not going to watch this. Or do you go to the second den and let them watch whatever they want? Because you had a hard day. When's the last time you picked up? Okay, so if you got kids that have, every kid has an iPhone now. They got some kind of contraption that connects them to the World Wide Web. I mean, I saw a five-year-old getting checked in the other day to Treehouse, and it had an iPhone. I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> But, I mean, sooner or later, that's going to happen, right? Seriously. Whoever thought an eight-year-old would have a device in their hand that connects them to the outside world? And that's just commonplace now. When's the last time you picked up your kid's iPhone to see what they were looking at, to see what they were listening to? I know it's old-fashioned. I know. I, I raised two kids. Did a terrible job. Did a lot of things wrong, but one thing I did do right with both of them is, and they would tell you, when they were growing up, they hated this. They hated it, they hated it, they hated it. They despised it. They would get mad at Rain and I. Well, you think you're so perfect. You don't want to watch this. But we would turn the TV off if something wasn't right. If a song came on the radio, and we would change it. We're molding a generation without any advice whatsoever because we're so busy. Now we have a product of a, of a generation of parents who are so busy. They, and so here's the, and my, both my kids will tell you it, I'm going to say a curse word, it pissed them off. <laughs> for most of you that I know in this room, that's nowhere near a curse word for you. <laughs> I've never been around so many people that feel free of cursing around their pastor. It's, I guess that's a good thing because you feel nice around me, but at the same time. Now, if you're playing golf, that's different. No, no. Both of them would tell you it made them so mad, it made them so mad. But both of them are grown now, and they would tell you, you know what? I respect my parents for that. Didn't like it. Did not like it one bit. Can I just tell you this? Love protects. And you, if you have kids or grandkids, but kids mostly, you are charged with protecting and guarding your children's heart. And can I tell you this? If you're trying to be your child's best friend, you're missing the mark. 
I'm in a season of life now where I can be my kid's best friend because they're grown. It's fun, isn't it? Yeah, they'll come over and hang out and talk. And it, that's a, you'll get there. But if you're raising kids right now, you can't be, you're not their, you're not called to be their best friend. No, you're, you're called to be a steward of God's love. God is love. Love protects. Number two, love trusts. 1 Corinthians 13, 7, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love, trust. Trust is an interesting concept, isn't it? Because it, it, many times in our life it, we, get, we get done wrong, and so we, we lose the ability to trust. Look at this, this scripture. I believe it's in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. Trust is a two-way street, isn't it? If you think about trust in a relationship, and, and I, I've always, I, I bring my kids back into the picture, I always told them this, trust is freely given. But when you lose trust, it's hard to get back. So here's the idea. God says, look, trust in me. Don't trust in anything else, trust in me. You trust in me, and the idea is don't, don't think that you know everything. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge, submit to him, and he will make your path straight. So I have this amazing opportunity. God is love, love, trust. God trusts us enough to say, hey, I'm giving you the ability to trust in me, and when you trust in me, I'm going to tell you what to do when you need to know what to do. I mean, how many times, how many times a day do we make decisions without asking God? Talking about being a steward of God's love. God is love. Love is trust. How many times a day do we make, do we don't even ask God what we should do in, in the, the situation? Because we lean on our own understanding, right? That's what we do, because we're bad. We're good. I mean, we're bad and good. We're good. We got this thing figured out. I've seen this before. I know what to do right now. I've got this. Get, you know, and then we wake up one day and we're like, you know what? I probably should have prayed about that one. Probably shouldn't have had that conversation with my wife before I prayed about it. <laughs> probably shouldn't have said that. <laughs> I was leaning on my own understanding. God says, look, don't do that. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him. And he's going to direct your path. Trust is a two-way street with God. If you go to this next next scripture, this next passage, you're going to wonder, what in the world does this have to do with trust? Just stick, stick with me. We'll get there, okay? 2 Corinthians 5, 18, 20. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. Paul is saying right here, look, here's the deal. God loved me so much, he reconciled me through what Jesus Christ did for me. So now, as Christ's ambassadors, as Christians, would you please show the love of God, and would you please trust again? We have trust issues. I have trust issues. There are people in this room I don't trust as far as I can throw. But I love you. There have been times in my life where my wife would look at me and say, Jason, I just, 
I don't know if I can trust people again. Or I would look at her and say, I don't know if I can trust people again. Because you get rejected, you get let down. People will let you down. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, look, this is what happened. There was, a, there was a ministry of reconciliation. And God loved us so much, he sent his only son and trusted in humanity that someday what Jesus did would be uh, available to us. And he trusted us to put our faith back into something. You're here today, and you can't trust in anything else. Can I tell you this? You can trust in the Lord. God's not going to let you down. And you might look at me and go, well, you don't know what's going on in my life right now. And I may not, but I know God does. And sooner or later, if you stay the course and walk with him, you're going to see why. Because he's God. He's good. God is love. And love always trusts. Trust again. Number three, love hopes. It always protects, always trusts, and always Hope is an interesting concept. Jeremiah 29, 11, most of you know this scripture, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope. Say that word with me. Hope and a future. So here's what this scripture tells me, and we've we'll, we'll, we got some more scripture to, to throw out and, and, and discuss. This scripture right here tells me God's hoping for me. The creator of the universe has hope for me. You remember growing up in school, who had problems with math? I mean, it's, it's like most of the population, so I think they should just take it out of school. <laughs> you want to talk about change, let's get some change going here. <laughs> I hate math. But can, can you remember maybe that subject that you really struggled with? And you had, a, you had a teacher that actually thought they, were, they could help you? Do you. You remember that? They hoped for you. You know what I mean? And, and they would spend extra time helping you. And, and when you took a test, they would actually hope that you passed the test. <laughs> Miss McCall was her name. Mm. Algebra. God's hoping for you. Whatever you're going through today, God's hoping for you. Let's look at this next passage. Romans 5, 1 through 5. It's a life passage for me. If you have your Bible, underline this. If you've never heard it before, pay attention. And if you have your phone, type it in your phone. Romans 5, 1 through 5. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Verse 3. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance produces character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God is love. Love hopes. Paul's teaches right here in Romans, don't lose hope. No matter what's going on in your life right now, don't lose hope. No matter how crazy things are, don't lose hope. Hope is the oxygen of the human soul. Don't lose hope. Don't lose hope for a child. Don't lose hope for a marriage. Don't lose hope in your finances. Don't lose hope for a ministry. Don't lose hope for a church you're praying for. Don't lose hope. Because when you lose hope, you're deflated. I mean, if you have... Watch this now. No, what are you doing? Oh, 
I'm just getting started. <clears throat> Don't lose hope. Wow. Things are going wrong. Well, guess what? I'm suffering. But through that suffering, it's going to produce perseverance. And through that perseverance, I'm going to gain a character. And through that character, I'm going to gain some hope. And hope, I love this. One version says, the one I memorized a long time ago, says, hope does not disappoint. This one says, put to shame, hope will not disappoint. In other words, now check this out. In other words, I could be really disappointed with an area of my life or people in my life, but if I don't lose hope, eventually I'm not going to be disappointed. Don't lose hope. Why? Because through the Holy Spirit, God's love has been shed about God is love. Love hopes. Can I just tell you today, if you are dealing with something, which I know a lot of you are, if you're dealing with a really intense situation in your life and you have been tempted to just give up and just lose hope of ever changing or that person ever changing, you're tempted to bail out right now. You're tempted. You've done everything. Hope again. Love. God is love and love hopes. Philippians, I believe it's Philippians. Next one, yeah, Philippians 1.6 says this, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. What God started, he's going to finish. Just like that, whether here or there, it's going to happen. Philippians 1.6, man, you write that one down too. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. He, he Don't stop hoping. Please. And, and you know what? I'm walking this out in my own life right now. There's situations going on where I'm like, you know what? Just forget it. I'm, no, can't do that. And you got to put people around you that will say, hey, if you can't hope right now, I'm going to hope for you. I'm going to remind you of the dream. I'm going to remind you of the prophecy over there. I'm going to remind you of what the Bible says. I'm going to remind you that you can make it. I'm going to remind you that the Bible says he would never leave us or forsake us. I'm going to remind you that, that, that the Bible says whatever good work God started in you, he's going to complete it. You've got to get people around you that will speak that into your life. Instead of people that you're like, well, that's just a hopeless case. Yeah, I know. It's hopeless. Well, you know what? It's terrible. I know it is terrible, terrible. Look, when those people call, don't answer the phone. Seriously. Ser I'm serious. Don't, just don't answer the phone. You need to get people around you that speak life in that situation that will help you hope. If you've lost hope today, hope again. Hope again. Well, I'm going to be let down. Well, this will only be the 830th million time you've been let down, so why not one more? If you don't quit, you can't lose. Hope again. God is love. Love is hope. Last thing. Love perseveres. 1 Corinthians 13.7, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. In other words... You think about persevering, you think about overcome, love overcomes. Love, 
you may be here today and you have people in your life that you think you, you don't have the capacity to love them. Guess what? The best thing you can do is love them. Because love will persevere when you can't. Love will reach someone during the depths of sin, the depths of depravity. Love will reach someone when they see, when we're, we are stewards of God's love on a personal level and as a church, in a community. And, and when, when a person who don't know Jesus and they're not living for Jesus hears and sees a constant stream of love coming from an individual over a period of time, again, it doesn't... It doesn't mean we condone what lifestyle they might be living. It just simply means that Jesus loved everyone, so we're supposed to love everyone. It'll persevere. It's amazing how that happens. It, it, it breaks down, love breaks down walls. Love brings us to a place, and, and we cannot grow weary in loving people. Galatians 6, 9 says this, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. There is no better thing that we can do as Christ followers than love people. Because it perseveres. Are you guys tying this together? On a personal level, as a body of Christ, as people who call ourselves Christians, where am I sowing the seeds of God's love in my life? Am I sowing seeds of anger? Am I sowing seeds of resentment? Am I sowing seeds, you know, in all these places that aren't worth, or am I saying, you know what, I don't understand you, I don't understand what you're going through right now, but I love you, and I can only love you because God loved me, and I know me. Don't, we, we cannot grow weary in doing good, and there's no better thing we can do as far as good goes than love people. Persevere, when I think about perseverance, you can't you can't read the Bible without think, thinking about how Jesus persevered for us. Jesus Christ, Son of God, came from palatial kingdom of heaven. He knew things that, I mean, he came to earth. I never will forget the first time I read Max, one of Max Lucado's books, and it talked about the angels, and there is a metaphor of the earth being like a dirty tennis ball. And they were talking to one another. And this is not in the Bible, by the way. This is a metaphor. You hear that? Don't email me. <laughs> and so, so they were gossiping with one another. And they're like, why would God send Jesus to that nasty place? And what's going to happen to him right there? Do you think he'll make it back? Jesus comes to a place called Earth, with, filled with people that... God created and loved so much he sent his only son and he persevered. He persevered so much so that we come to a place where he conquered death and the grave. L look at this next scripture. The next one. You're, I love you. You're good. Larry, you are wonderful. This is why, why it says... When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. One, one version actually says, when he ascended on high, he took captivity captive and gave good, good gifts to his people. Now watch this. Watch. Don't lose me. It's like, what are you talking about, Jason? This is what Jesus Christ did for us. He persevered. He persevered to the point where he took captivity captive. And, and so... 
he, he led, as he ascended, a train of captives. And you look at this and you go, you know what, I don't understand what you're saying. Well, you got to understand the context and the, the time that this was written. When a king would go off to war, king would take King David, for instance. King David, when, when a king would go off to war and, and conquer a city, they would take the survivors and they would put them in like a long line, like a train. Not like a woo-woo train, but a, a train. Because if you don't know, they didn't have trains then. Now you know. They would bring them to the gates. Come on, learn something today. They would bring them to the gates of their city where there would be pomp and circumstance and there would be horns playing and people cheering and the king would be in front of the line and the king would lead this procession with all of the spoils, all the gifts, all, all the things that had been conquered, all the men that had been conquered, and they would go throughout the city to great celebration. Are you getting this? So, so think about this just for a second. That's what Jesus did for us. He conquered sin, conquered death, conquered the grave, and when he ascended on high, he did so. He took the captivity of sin, the captivity of, of depravity. He took all that with me and said, you know what? I have overcome. I have persevered. So now we sit here today in this very room knowing that we can persevere because he did. Hope again. Hope that you can persevere in that area of your life. Hope that you can get help. Hope, persevere. Because the battle's already won. Jesus already did everything that Jesus could do for us. When he ascended, he took many captives. One of those is sin, obviously. And the way that he did that was by virtue of giving his own life. Lived, born of a virgin, lived a sinless life. Took our death and sin on the cross. He finished the race. He persevered for us. If you're thinking about giving up today, can I just tell you, you have, had, you have one that's gone before you. And you can keep go another day. Hope again. Come back next Sunday. If, if you think you, can, you can't make it another day, just make it another week. And lean on the power of God through his Holy Spirit, knowing God loved you so much he gave his only son. Maybe you're here today, and you say, you know what? I'm not persevering in my life. I'm not at peace with God. Just like many people in the first service today said, you know what? I, I need to know Jesus. Because the Bible says the only way to be at peace with God is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the only way. So if you do some personal assessment this morning and say, you know what, I'm, I'm not at peace with God. Well, maybe that's because you haven't put your faith in Jesus. You haven't come to that point where you really said, you know, something's off, something's wrong. I need a fresh start. I need a new beginning. And I'm ready to, to give my heart to Jesus Christ. What a great day to be had. Would you bow your heads all over this place? Say, Jason, that's me, man. That's me. I desperately need a change in my life, and I, I know, I know that I'm not at peace with God. I want to pray with you right where you're sitting, right there, right now, right where you're sitting. I want to pray with you. Now, I, if that's you, and you're ready to put your faith in Jesus, would you slip your hand up long enough for me to see it? Just put it right back down. I see your hand. Thanks. Just, I see your hand. I see your hand. Thanks. 
Just put it right back down. I need to know Jesus Christ as my personal. I need a fresh start. I need something to change in my life right now. I see your hand, buddy. Thank you. I see your hand. That's awesome. Anyone else before we pray? Just by virtue of you raising your hand, God's looking down on you right now. The Bible says you're being made into a new creation. You're confessing in your heart. But I want to pray this prayer with you. I see your hand. That's awesome. I want to pray this prayer with you right now. Nothing magical about this prayer. It's just a start to your journey. When we're done with service today, go out to the tent and get a Bible. They're free. Get a devotion and uh, maybe talk with someone. But if you raise your hand, pray this prayer with me. Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for chasing me. Thank you that I'm in the seat today. And right now I'm confessing in my heart. I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, that Jesus Christ lived a sinless life. He took my death and sin on the cross. I believe that he was placed in a grave, and I do believe that he rose from that grave and is in heaven today and is coming back for me one day. So right now at this very moment, God, thank you for making me into a new creation. Thank you that your love and your grace and your mercy are flooding my soul right now. I know it's not going to be easy, but I'm going to promise I'm not going to quit on this new journey. Put people around me that can help me, God. Most of all, God, thank you for forgiving me and thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.